today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can reverse the curse because there is one mediator between God and man, and that man is known as the final Adam who reversed the curse. By one Adam, the first Adam, sin entered the world. By Jesus, the last Adam, sin was paid for completely, reversing the curse. That's what he's saying here. That's where the salvation is. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. The Lord has established an order in the church, and it's described for you in Scripture. Today, Pastor J.D. is going to tackle this somewhat difficult passage, but he'll point out something important that everyone needs to hear. The only hope for anyone, man or women, is through salvation in Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Here's an example, and it's probably one of the best examples, especially in the context of a marriage. And, And again, from my own marriage and my own experience in my own life. So you've got this, you're going at it, man. It's intense. Me, what about you? That's the pot calling the kettle black. There are two words you should never use in the heat of the moment. Those two words are always and never. You always fill in the blank. You never fill in the blank. Man, them are fighting words. And here's the man, right? Totally in the flesh. Come on, guys, let's be honest. We're in the flesh. Oh, yeah. Well, you never. You. (laughs) What if you did this, guys? You're going at it. You never. You always. Say, you know what, honey? You're right. (laughs) I'm sorry. She's going to look at you like, what would you do with my husband? Who are you? Who is this man before me? (laughs) She's going to melt. No, she might, again, you'll forgive the uh, metaphor, but she might take your temperature first to see if you're real. And there's something about the wife. They can, can, if it's fake, they're going to see right through it. Nice try. Nice try. What do you want? (laughs) You know how it works, right? So, but because that's how God's made them, they will just melt. And then, here's, what, here's what's happened in our marriage. So, I'll say, you know what, honey, you're right, I, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. And then you go back at it again on the other way. You've never done that? Okay, well, bad example then. But you just humble yourself and you say, you know what, I'm going to take the lead and I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to go to the Lord with this. Dare I say it would change the marriage dynamic in your home and the family dynamic too. 
So he first addresses the men and exhorts them to lift up holy hands and pray. Stop right there. A godly man is a man of prayer. A man of God is a man of prayer. Don't think for a second that when the wife sees that the husband is praying, you'll forgive me for saying, that will turn her on. That's all I'm going to say right there. I'm going to leave it right there. Because that's the way God made her. You want to talk about the temperature and the thermostat and the thermometer? And you're praying for her? Guys, when was the last time your wives caught you in the act of praying for her? She's good. Oh, oh, wow. And and one more thing along those lines. Guys, why is it that when you're courting, I know that's a very foreign word to young people, it's a courtship where you're courting them before you get married. (laughs) I mean, you can call it dating, call it whatever you want, but it's a courtship. So you're, you're on your best behavior. You open the door for them. Wow. You buy flowers. I mean, you're turning on the romance, right? And then once you've got them and you get married, you don't open the door for them anymore. It's more like this. Come on, get in. We're late. Wow. That didn't last very long. Women are like, as one explained like that beautiful plant that needs to be watered and nurtured and taken care of, and they'll flourish and bear fruit. So he says, lift up holy hands and pray. And very interesting, he says, without arguing or disputing or anger. Uh, The reason that's interesting to me is because I think it speaks to how men can be mean. There I said it. Men can just be mean. Angry men. Grouchy, grumpy. Especially when you come home from work. You've had a long day. Have you thought that maybe your wife has had a long day? I mean, after all, she's been with the kids all day. You come home after work and you walk in that front door. Leave me alone! Oh, wow. Grumpy again. And it's all about, you need to serve, where's dinner? You need to serve me. It's all about me. You sit in that recliner, turn on the TV, and your wife is withering. You know, she needs an adult conversation. Because all she's had all day is the kids to talk to. So you come home, and maybe just listen. And let her talk. Let her vent. Even if you have to bite your tongue, which might be most of the time. And don't try to, you know, defend yourself or inject or, you know, fix. That's what guys do. They don't need your mouth. They need your shoulder. And here's the thing. If you don't give them your shoulder, they'll find another shoulder. I'm sorry to say it like that, but that's just the truth of the matter. 
If you're not going to listen to them, dwell with them in understanding, God has made them in such a way, not to excuse it, but really to explain it. You have set them up, husbands, for that next guy, that all he has to do is show them that attention and be willing to listen to them, and you've lost them. And I think the statistics bear this out, sadly. Even in the Christian marriage, because there's really no distinction between the divorce rate in the Christian marriage as the non-Christian marriage, sadly. So notice the order here again, because if a man will do that and not do this with anger and disputing, then in verses 9 through 11, he addresses the women. Now it gets a little bit interesting here. He goes on to exhort the women to dress modestly, appropriately, not seductively. You know, and this is the thing. Oh man, why did I? Okay, well, just hear me out, okay? Women, we need to talk. Please. Men are stimulated by sight. Okay? So when you dress provocatively, you're killing us, man. You really are. And that's the way God's designed us. It's a visual stimulation. It's interesting because on the other side of that, he's made the woman not by visual stimulation, but by conversation. Reminds me of a story, true story. Wife says to her husband something, and he's just flabbergasted. And he looks at her and says, how can something so stupid come out of someone so beautiful? Guys, don't say that to your wives. (laughs) She responds this way. He said, well, honey, God made me beautiful so that you would marry me. And God made me stupid, so I would marry you. How about that? (laughs) Again, men are stimulated visually. Now, when you dress provocatively, that stumbles us. And by the way, Paul is specific to church. Timothy is the pastor of the church. This is specific to the church when God's people assemble. Women, dress modestly. And when Paul says, learn to lead a quiet life in submission to authority, well, Let me just say that many a woman has single-handedly split many a church because of this. They've asserted themselves, they've started whisper campaigns, gossiping, rumors, accusations, and it spreads like a virus, no pun intended, and it infects an entire congregation. 
And I've seen churches, I've seen pastors that have left the ministry because of this. And the children, the kids, especially the young teenagers who see this kind of stuff, they want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with Christianity because of what they saw happen. Maybe we need not wonder why it is that the young people today want nothing to do with the Lord or the church. I mean, you almost can't blame them. Again, it doesn't excuse it. It might explain it. Let's uh, move to the women. (laughs) Some of you guys are going, (sighs) you're not off the hook yet. In verses 12 through 15, the Apostle Paul is, again, very detailed, addressing the women usurping man's God-given authority. And he makes it very clear that women are not to assume authority over a man such that they're not permitted to teach over man. This, by the way, is why it is that there should not be women as senior pastors of churches. A number of years ago I had a a woman approach me used to go to church here, doesn't go to church here anymore because of my answer when she asked me the question, do you think that it's okay for a woman to be a pastor? I said, it's absolutely not okay. And here's why. Wow, you misogynist, you chauvinist, you pig. I've been called worse. Not the first time, probably won't be the last. The Lord tarries especially. So Why? Can we, again, address the why question, the why behind the what? Why is it that the woman is not permitted to have the authority over man? He's going to answer that for us, but not in the way you might think. When Paul refers to Eve being deceived and not Adam, he's saying that Satan takes advantage of the woman's vulnerability. And as such, Adam, listen very carefully, because right about now the enemy is going to try to get your mind to wander and be distracted, so you miss this. Don't miss this. Adam, who it's believed wasn't with Eve when the serpent deceived her, is guilty of not being a covering over her. Now stay with me on this. This is very important. A lot of the cults were started by women. There is innate within the woman, as God created her, to seek to be more spiritual than the man. There's more of a proclivity, a propensity, for women to be more spiritual than the man. Does that make sense? But, The problem is, is that God put the man over the woman, not to lord it over her, but to be a covering for her. I'm sure you've heard the quip, God made Eve from the rib of Adam from his side, not the head to be over him, 
and not the feet to be under him. Here again is the the issue of superiority and inferiority. When we're told that the woman is the weaker vessel, that's not inferior, it's just physiologically. And research and science and biology proves this to be true, that women are just weaker physically than the man. Of course, nowadays, it's, uh, it's crazy. As one said, it's like, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, somebody thought it was Adam and Steve, but that's another topic for another time. So the man is to be the covering for the woman. So here's the thing. The man is not the covering. Satan's just waiting. As the serpent did in the garden, he waited for the optimum time to get her alone without him to deceive her. This is not an indictment on the woman. I mean, one might come away with the impression that when Paul is saying this, he's saying, you know, it was the woman who got deceived, not the man. So there. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is, the man is the covering over the woman. Where was Adam when the serpent came to her and tempted her? What about verse 15? where Paul says women will be saved through childbearing. What in the world? What he's saying is they won't die when giving birth. I suppose you can see this as a reverse of the curse, and I'll explain what I mean by that. The woman won't die giving birth and they won't usurp man's authority, which was the original curse. Pain in childbirth, severe pain in childbirth and labor. And your desire will be to usurp your husband's authority. But God, (laughs) those two words. You can reverse the curse because there is one mediator between God and man, and that man is known as the final Adam who reversed the curse. By one Adam, the first Adam, sin entered the world. By Jesus, the last Adam, sin was paid for completely, reversing the curse. That's what he's saying here. That's where the salvation is. Here's the bottom line. I'll bring it in for a close. Some of you are going, thank you so much. Not a moment too soon. Men are to be the leaders in the church and of the home. And women are to be under their spiritual covering. This is God's ordained authority structure. And sadly, again, Satan knows this, which is why he has succeeded in large measure to render men feckless and dismantle God's order. 
And you see it in the church, you see it in the home. You know, it's that textbook case of smite the shepherd and scatter the sheep. You know what I mean by that? You know, Satan is so cunning. He will go right to the head. And if he can take out the husband, the father, done. That's what we're seeing today, sadly. He's taken the man out. And now you've got this mother, this wife that's going, are you kidding me? And then, can I just, it's not in my notes. I'm always careful when it's not in my notes because I'm uh, treading on holy ground right now. But can I just talk about the church just for a moment as a pastor? Will you hear my heart on this? God knows my heart on this. But where are the men? This is not, I'm not wanting to beat up on you guys. But come on, guys. We're men. Let's be men. Let's be men of God. Let's take that leadership, that authority that we were given. God gave it to us. I'm sorry if I'm yelling. I just... 1 Corinthians 11.3 Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But (laughs) I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. You know, when you go up against that, you don't break that, it breaks you. And that's why there's disorder, and chaos, and confusion, and conflict, and all of the above. Because that's out of order. If Christ is truly the head of the man, then the woman will be under the man. And that's God's ordained order of authority. I thought through this, prayed through this, and wrote this down, and I'll close with it. When you get out from underneath this authority, you're out from underneath the spout where God's blessing pours out. It's easy to read the book of 1 Timothy and think it only applies to pastors. But the Word of God is always inclusive. This means you can glean something from every page, no matter who you are. So don't let your social status, job, age, or how long you've been a Christian hinder you from diving into the Bible. It's full of wisdom that you can apply to your life. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, we pray your faith was impacted in a powerful way. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear others like it, just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. There you'll find an archive of teachings as well as other helpful tools in your walk with the Lord. 
We always love to hear from our listeners, too. If you have a specific prayer request or any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find it under the About tab. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to connect and have you join us for our worship services. Always feel free to bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. You can find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website or find us on our media platforms to stay up to date with all things concerning Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.